welcome to the Maths in Schools podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Alan Duggan, CEO of the Australian Association of Mathematics Teachers. In this series, we'll be exploring ideas and strategies for effectively teaching mathematics in schools. And I'm really excited today to be exploring the idea of classroom dialogue, which is focused on making mathematical ideas explicit. I'm joined today by Sham Drury, who will be sharing his expertise and knowledge on the subject. Sham is a professional learning consultant at SciTech. He leads the Lighthouse Maths program, which trains 32 teachers each year intensively in problem-solving approaches to teaching maths in primary schools that boost student engagement and performance. He's a mathematician and teacher, first of all, who once lived as a Buddhist monk. In his free time, he enjoys meditation and complex strategic board games. Sham, I, I want to unpack your, your your bio there before we even start talking about <laughs> sure. about the, the subject, but I'm, I'm going to avoid it. Sham, I'm really glad that you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Before we even talk about how we get to it, what does a classroom that has dialogue in it look like? What, what, what do we mean when we talk about a, a classroom with dialogue? Okay, that is a great place to start um, because the key thing about dialogue in the classroom is in the die, is that it's a back and forth between two people. So all classrooms involve a huge amount of talk and the teacher is engaged in a lot of talk. Um, I was looking earlier at some of um, Hattie's work, research that showed like 70 to 80% of the time was taken up by the teacher talking in a lot of these classrooms and when we talk about building dialogue into a classroom we're talking about the students and the teachers sharing a much more equal share of the space for talking the students are expressing their own ideas expressing their thoughts and um, deepening their thinking through that process last podcast episode we spoke about questioning and the importance of questioning and what that looks like and, and i guess almost this podcast feeds directly on from that because an element of our questioning should promote some dialogue in the classroom. And and I, I guess what I'm hearing you say there is that, that dialogue is about more than just teacher ask questions, student answer, um, but much more about an interactive conversation. Would that be, would that be fair? Exactly. Yeah. You're distinguishing between monologue and dialogue you can ask questions but they can be part of a monologue like i'm going to tell you everything and the only reason i'm going to ask you a question is to check whether you listen to what i said and you have memorized what i've told you that's not dialogue when we ask questions that are going to involve a lot more open-ended questions but they don't always have to be open-ended but they're provoking thought from the students and they're gaining insight into what the students actually think and giving value to what the students think, then we're engaged in dialogue. So it sounds to me, I've heard it said before that closed questions don't promote dialogue, but open questions do. It sounds to me like there's a little mm. bit more complexity than just a summary statement like that. Would, would, would that be fair? I would agree with that. Yeah. I understand where this sentiment comes from because there's a big reliance on closed questions because it's contained you know what the answer is if you're trying to move through something quickly you get back the answer quickly and so i think that idea comes from trying to push people out of that way of thinking to incorporate um open 
answered uh, open-ended questions into their um, talking, but it can go to the other extreme because one of the really important ideas in building powerful and effective dialogue in the classroom is that it has to be focused around a mathematical idea. You need to know very clearly what the mathematical idea is and what the outcomes for the discussion are as the teacher and be directing the conversation towards those discussions. If you're directing the conversation, then you're not going to always want to use open-ended questions. Sometimes you're going to use closed-ended questions to bring it back in and focus on a specific mathematical point. Let me ask, because I think you, you've, you've kind of began to um, unpack this for me, but what would you say are the components of effective classroom dialogue? Training teachers in effective classroom dialogue is something that... Um, is the major part of my work through the Lighthouse Maths program. But I also did a bit of extra research <laughs> leading up to this, and I was looking at a website called Structural Learning, and they had a nice um, summary of the elements of effective classroom dialogue, or dialogic classroom. Uh, and they've got five key points, collective, reciprocal, supportive, cumulative, and purposeful. So collective meaning that it is about students and teachers all addressing a learning task together no reciprocal that we're listening to each other sharing ideas and considering different viewpoints cumulative in that we're building on contributions of others to build up a coherent line of thinking and understanding and purposeful that it's planned and structured with a specific goal in mind so that that sounds very ideological and it sounds like something that we all kind of want to um <laughs> if i can have some of that yes please uh, in terms of my classroom yeah but how do we actually get there how do you build a classroom that has well that's dialogical yeah okay um when i started looking at how to do this the first one of the first things that I looked at was something called the IRE dialogue pattern. So this is, is a unit of speech that happens in your classroom, initiate, respond, evaluate. And that's a typical a unit of talk that happens in mass classrooms. So for example, Alan, what's six times seven? You put me on the spot here. 42. That's right. I've initiated with my question. You've responded and I've evaluated. There's nothing uh, like inherently wrong with the IRE dialogue pattern. It's a, it's a unit of speech. It's going to be there, but it can be extended. Um, one of the important things to recognize is that when you get to the E point, the evaluate, thinking stops. So if you're the student, you've told me that, and I've told you that you're right or you're wrong, you stop trying to think. So the, the, the thing that I've worked with teachers to do is how can we extend that chain? So simple example, Alan, what's six times seven? 42. How did you come to that answer? So at this point in time, if I turn around and say, well, I've memorized my multiplication facts and I know that the answer is 42. Yeah. So that's um, that, that's a, that's a suitable answer, and then I, so that's 
I haven't really provoked thinking at this point. So then I might ask you, oh, well, if you didn't, if you hadn't known that fact, but you knew what um, five times seven is, how might you be able to work that out? I'd add on another seven to five. Right. Yep. And so then we start to draw out and get you to think about strategies. So I think this is a helpful, this is kind of helpful, simple framework to look at if you're starting to build dialogic um, classroom is to look at the IRE pattern and how do we extend that dialogue chain? Typically, when we're going to ask a lot of what questions if we're just doing an IRE, you know, what is six times seven? Um, we might, so we can bring in a few how and why questions to, ex to extend that. When we're using how questions, it's important that it's pretty much it's going to be how did you? So the purpose of the how question is to unpack the student's approach. And that um, makes more explicit the way they came to a solution for other students to listen to so that they can build on those ideas, debate them, bring their strategies into their own way of approaching. Uh, and then why questions are going to promote reasoning. Like what's the reason that that makes sense for you to do that? Because uh, how questions can still just be facts checking as well. Like you're going through a differentiate problem um, and you ask the, ask the class, oh, so how do we differentiate X squared? X, it's not a thought provoking question. It's just a factory call question. So is the, is the purpose of what we're trying to, to, to do here always about provoking deeper thinking is that is that a fair summary or is is that an a limiting lens through which to look at it i think it is one of the main reasons why someone would want to use a dialogic approach to teaching is to use talk and dialogue as a vehicle for thinking um I'm hesitant to say, <laughs> to, to be blanket mm. about that statement and say outright that's the only thing that's mm. going on there because it's a complex process and it's not. So, yeah, I mean, in the examples that I gave, some of them are about pushing the students' thinking to um, get them to articulate their thoughts more and provide more reasoning. So that's partly for the student who's in that dialogue interaction um, but it's partly for the other students to be listening to that, to hear other ideas and ways of thinking about it. So, so it um, is about the understanding. Understanding is important, but we can uh, be using dialogue to facilitate student thinking, the presenting of, yeah. of ideas, the reforming of ideas, the the reshaping. I, th I think of of myself as a as a learner and I think about mm. the ideas that are crafted in my head that mm. when I find someone to talk about them with and they ask me questions or even just talking my ideas out loud, they sound very different and I can find holes in them when I'm sitting having a coffee with you mm. talking about something that has really been well formed in my head and I've really got lost justification and then I'm talking it out loud to you and all of a sudden I'm beginning to change my thinking or be challenged in one way or another. And I think dialogue is the, the role of dialogue in our classrooms is not necessarily just the understanding as we're talking here, but it is that 
social development mm. and that individual development and ability to to listen, to process, to develop, to be persuaded um, to think or explore differently, right? Absolutely. So about that, I mean, ask you a question. When you're given that opportunity to talk and unpack your thinking and um, look through the way you're thinking and see the holes as you described, how does that feel as a learner? Well, I, th- I think that's a really great question because I think that how I want it to feel and how it does feel depends on who's there. So I, I want it to feel like a, um, a liberating experience, a growing experience. I want to give you all these positive words, but I think if, if we're really honest, it comes down to the safety. So if, if I yeah. think that in a one-to-one conversation with you, you're someone who is going, who is for me. You're someone who is trustworthy. You're someone who is going to be honest and frank, but in a, in a thoughtful way, um, then I'm probably going to share much more openly and be able to process myself externally much more differently than if I think that you're going to criticize or steal my ideas or, mm. or, you know, ridicule me or, or, or whatever. And I think it, it, it's not just that I always feel good about it, right? Because mm. if I always felt good about it, then we'd always potentially <laughs> do it, right? Yeah. But it's that whole, and, and, and that, that maybe is one of the things that underpins that question about how do we build a dialogical classroom, right? It, we need to have a classroom culture that's safe, Absolutely. that's one that, that is about risk-taking, that's one about exploration, that's one about, and, and I think often, that's really challenging to do in mathematics, right? Mm. Because um, in so many people's heads, mathematics is binary. It's right or it's wrong. Mm. And so if you follow that reasoning, there's no room There's no room for dialogue, right? You, six, sevens is 42, yes or no, mm. move on. Um, and it's that IRE model that you spoke about. You mm. evaluate 42 is right, next. Mm. 42 is wrong, next mm. and that, and and the next is either upwards if you got it right or downwards if you didn't in order mm. to consolidate and move forward mm. but in actual fact there's much more that happens in a in a dialogical space because we're about constructing shared understandings yeah. and sometimes those shared understandings are not just about um 6 times 7 is 42 but uh, efficient strategies to get there, right. efficient applications of it. Uh, the, you know, I can't memorize my eight times table well. How, what are efficient ways to get to it? And mm. let's build those shared understandings to get there. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's dialogue is something that needs to be intentionally created into a classroom culture, right? N- not just into a, a lesson or a, or a, a group of lessons, but really how do we create a safe classroom culture to be sharing your thinking, sharing your ideas, asking questions. Sometimes those questions are, look, I don't understand that. How did you get that? And I, and I think, you know, a couple of questions on from here, we want to talk about how do we help our students to be dialogical. But I think part of that is about the language that they give. You know, that I, I remember in, in classrooms myself when, when students would say, I don't get this or I don't understand it. Mm. Um, it was 
forget the, the personal affront to the teacher where I go, well, what do you mean? My teaching is very good. How can you possibly not understand this? But but more than that, well, well tell me what it is you don't understand. Tell me mm. what it is you don't get. Where, where were you still with me? You know, up to which point were you still with me? Where did the disconnection happen? And can we unpack why and we, how that disconnection happened rather than just this whole, well, I don't get this. This is too hard. I'm I'm out. And and it's that tapping out. And and so there's that whole idea of how do we give them the language to articulate mm. um some of that stuff? How do we give them a you know common shared language in the classroom that that builds towards a much more effective dialogical classroom? Yes. <laughs> yes to all of that. Uh, it's you've kind of unleashed a tirade of important points <laughs> that are that are that are to do with uh, classroom dialogue, and that what demonstrates is that it's that it is a complex, nuanced process that contains many elements. And absolutely, one of the big points there is that it, it only works effectively within the right classroom culture. So you have to specifically build that classroom culture. So if you are a teacher moving out of less dialogic approaches into more dialogic approaches, then you are going to need to be patient that this is going to something that's going to take like a year to build up this classroom atmosphere, this classroom culture with your students. There's so many things that I want to say in response to that. But one of them is going back to where we kind of originally started about why we do dialogic teaching. And we talked about it's, you know, building understanding. It's also about the messaging that we give to the students. So I talk with my teachers a lot about the messages. When we just, you know, demonstrate a way of doing something and we only ask questions with short IRE chains for students to tell us back the way that we thought, and it's the same three students that answer our questions all the time. We send this message to all those students who are not responding, who haven't had the time to think that they're thinking isn't important, that their thoughts don't matter. And we send the message that I, the teacher, am the authority in the room. So there are two big messages that I want to shift when I'm doing this work. I want students to feel that their thinking matters um, because how are they going to learn if they don't think that their thinking is important? And I want them to believe that the authority in the room is mathematical truth. It's not actually the person saying it, it's whether the idea is right or wrong. And so how do we get there? How do we build this sense of safety and get people to this, uh, what you described really nicely of building a collective understanding? So that that's what we want to our classroom needs to become this place where the, part, the participants in the classroom, the students and the teacher feel that our job in the mathematics classroom is to build a collective understanding of truth around mathematics. It's not my job to perform, to get things right as quickly as possible. My job is to, is to build understanding together with my um, peers. So, and you talked about how 
it depends who's listening when when I'm given the opportunity to, to speak. So one of the things is that we need to, with this dialogic classroom, we need to provide lots of opportunities mm. for the students to speak to each other in low-risk situations. So well, you ask them a question, you ask them a, a, a more a broader mm. question, like let's say we see two strategies on on the students are presented as a solution to a problem and we ask them about, well, which one do you think is more efficient and why? Then we can break into something like talk move, like turn and talk and give the students an opportunity just to talk to a peer about that idea. Or we give times when they get to discuss that idea in small groups. That um, provides a lot of safety to avoid the risk when they're just talking to their peers first and if they do talk if they are talking in a classroom sometimes it, it can be scaffolded in such a way so that the students get the chance to rehearse with each other before they talk to the group and that can help them so you know i, I run a kind of lesson plan a lesson structure a three lesson structure of uh, launch, explore, discuss. Give the students a really difficult problem with minimal instruction, you know, clarify constraints and and some important background knowledge, and then and then let them work in small groups, tackle that problem. While they're tackling the problem, the teacher goes around and talks to each of the groups to see where they're stuck to help them move forward, where their thinking is extending already beyond the problem and give them extend, you know, expand the problem to more generalized versions. And so those discussions that the teachers have with the students in the small groups can be like a rehearsal, but then in the discuss phase, the third phase where the students are presenting their solutions, the teachers are going to ask them similar questions to what they asked them in the group. So now the students have time to think about it. Uh, in that explore phase, the teacher might have introduced some more technical mathematical language so that gets to come out uh, and so that's uh, just free flowing some of the the pieces of how we can build safety um, and uh, a respectful collaborative environment for classroom dialogue some of the examples that you just gave there about building classroom norms is around that idea of giving them a framework to share and exchange ideas because we we know that um yeah. Adults don't necessarily disagree well, let alone young people, right? So um, one of the fears, I think, in terms of building frameworks for dialogue in our classroom, that student-to-student dialogue, is this fear of the volume goes up, the young people are shouting at each other and just arguing and dismissing it. So that that the importance of in building a shared set of values, creating norms, or, or whatever you want to call it, is really important. And and some young people really do need those sentence starters, those, um, how do I express that I am um, mm. in disagreement with you? And it's making me feel really frustrated because I don't think you're listening to me. I'm saying this, but you're, you just keep saying this in return. And and I think that the whole idea of, of, of dialogue is, a, is really important in the, you know, one of the things I'm really keen for these podcasts mm. to do is to give teachers some some practical takeaways that they can go and try mm. and explore. And I think the whole idea of expansion chains, expanding the, the chain of their question is a great one, you know, rather than, yes, right, how can I follow up and how can I follow up and how can I follow up? Um, and I, I remember in school, I used to kind of describe that 
to to um, pre-service teachers is you you want to not rescue the students mm. Mm. too quickly from their own selves, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, some of the things we talk about is mm. when we're when we're talking about whether we're agreeing or disagreeing is depersonalizing the experience. Um, I agree with your idea. I disagree with that idea, or I disagree yeah. with that yeah. statement because not I disagree with Johnny. <laughs> Because that's yeah, and that that's tied back into those two big messages that I that I tend to be wanting to promote. That it's about building collective understanding, and that the authority is mathematical truth. So it's not about who's saying it; it's about what's being said and, and discussing this idea mm. openly. Um, you mentioned uh, Peter Lilliedahl's work with building thinking classrooms, which is a big influence on what we do in Lighthouse Maths as well. And so there are a few um, kind of, he describes them as uh, blunt or coarse measures that can make a big difference quite um, immediately. Uh, so mm. one big thing that we use in the Lighthouse mm. Maths from his mm. work is vertical non-permanent surfaces which is a whiteboard to make it much more simple, mm -hmm. a, a stand up, a, a whiteboard that's big enough for everybody to work, not a student whiteboard. They're also useful for other purposes, but we're talking about a whiteboard on the wall or in the case of mm -hmm. the lighthouse mass program, we use uh, easel whiteboards, um, which fortunately, because we have the support of industry partners, we're able to, like Chevron, we're able to um, fund to provide the teachers with eight classroom whiteboards. And um, then they can move these around. Mm -hmm. So when they're, they're upright, then everybody's looking at the same piece of mathematics together. And so they're able to discuss the idea together. When they sit down at the table, if you try to do group work at the table, on a piece of paper, it's the right way up to me. You're looking at it upside down. This person's looking at it sideways. Everybody's just waiting till you're finished to turn it around so I can think about it. When mm. it's upright and it's big, we can all look at that and kind of unpack and follow each other's thinking and discuss it when we're standing up um, mm. at these whiteboards, which are placed around the room facing inwards, then it uh, forces a level of accountability. So when you get kids to work in groups um, at a table, it's pretty easy for the one that doesn't want to participate to hide and just coast. When they're standing up at whiteboards, it's a lot more obvious. And if they kind of want to exit, they're sort of walking back into the middle of the room. <laughs> so they, it kind of enforces, it, it just naturally forces a level of accountability there to be involved in that. We've spoken about a lot here. If I If I asked you, to summarize or kind of go, what are the what are the two or three key takeaways from our conversation that that we'd love the audience to hear? What how would you summarize our conversation? Can I just give a, two, a couple of pieces of practical advice if to someone who is just going to get started? Of course. Yeah. So someone who wants to get started, as you talked about, you don't have a lot of time. So a couple of things that you can do to begin to implement this. Um, one is look at your how much you're using that IRE dialogue chain and how you can expand those chains to, to draw it, to incorporate more how and why questions in your questioning with students. 
another um, big thing is to th really think deeply about the mathematics that you're going to explore within a lesson and think about where a key conceptual point in that lesson is. Like you might be looking at multiplication and you're really wanting to students to focus on the idea that direct multiplication using the multiplication facts is much more efficient than repeated addition. Mm. So you have your lesson, however it's set up, you get to that point and you ask the students which of these approaches is more efficient and why, and then you can use this talk move, a turn and talk, then just get the students to turn and talk and give their answer to a partner. That move is super powerful because now you have every student in the room expressing their thinking. And that's something you can do in 30 seconds. That's good. With good planning. Always. We've touched on lots and, and clearly I think, you know, if I were to try and, I guess, summarise the importance of, of classroom dialogue, I think we are trying to help students make progress towards deep understanding of mathematical concepts and ideas, right? That, that's the purpose of it. We want to give them the language to construct shared understandings and talk about it, talk about their learning. Because if they can, if they can talk about it, then they can transfer it. It's, it. It makes it much more transferable, much deeper in understanding, and much more applicable. Um, we, we're trying to give them the language to share, exchange, um, feedback on ideas in a way that allows them to to move forward. Um, and in doing so, they're able to make connections between different perspectives build on those perspectives and so on. And, and I guess ultimately it's all about deepening that understanding of learning, helping them to see the relevance and, and joy of, of learning. Math Sham, I, I feel like we've we've touched on lots today. I, I want to thank you. If the listeners want to, to stay in touch, if they want to find out a bit more about your work, how can, how can they how can they see some of what you're doing, Sham? So a lot of my work is on the SciTech website. Um, but I can also be contacted directly on shamdrury at scitech.org.au, S-H-Y-A-M dot D-R-U-R-Y at S-C-I-T-E-C-H dot org dot A-U. Excellent. And socials, can they find you on, on Twitter or LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter um, at MathsXO. There you go. Uh, Maths Multiplier. Excellent. Sham, I just want to—I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge, your expertise, and your time today. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you. My, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can explore more about this topic, find explicit teaching in maths professional learning modules, and other great maths resources to use in your school at the Mathematics Hub, mathshub.edu.au.